Section 12 of The National Geographic Magazine, Volume 9, April 1898. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Wayne Cook. Alaska and its Mineral Resources. The Probable Extent of Gold-Bearing Deposits. By Samuel Franklin Emmons. In a new country, gold is first sought in the stream gravels and thence traced up to its source. Very fine gold may be carried long distances by river waters. Hence it is only when it becomes relatively coarse, or at any rate carries coarse particles, that the source may be considered necessarily near at hand. Fine gold is found in almost all the rivers of Alaska. Even the silts of the Yukon yield it in places. Gold has been found along the whole length of the Luz, the Teslin, the Big Salmon, the Pelly, the Stewart, and the Selwyn, and on the Yukon River almost continuously from the junction of the Luz and Pelly downwards. Still further east, Francis and Dees Rivers, the main branches of Laird River, which flows into the Mackenzie, carry gold. In the Kasser district, on the Dees River, gold was discovered as early as 1861. The district was actively worked as a placer camp from 1873 to 1887, during which time it yielded about $5 million worth of gold dust. These upper regions are distant about 1,000 miles in a straight line from the known outcrops of gold-bearing rocks in the Rampart Mountains on the lower Yukon, and are within areas either in which exposures of the gold-bearing rocks is defined above actually known to exist, or in which the similar lithological character of rocks described renders it probable that in some part of the area they may be exposed. There is also some evidence of the extension of rocks of the gold-bearing series to the northwest of the lower Yukon, though it is yet impossible to determine whether the primitive gold-bearing rocks of the Birch Creek and Forty Mile series there come to the surface, or whether it is simply the fossil placers or gold-bearing conglomerates of later formations, where made up of fragments of these older rocks that have furnished the gold of modern streams. In this region, gold has been found extensively along the Koyukuk, and most abundantly, as already mentioned, where the valley cuts through the conglomerates supposed to belong to the Kenai series. This is at the forks, about 300 miles above the mouth, below which the country is low and swampy. Above the forks, the mountains close in and the sides of the valley become precipitous. The gold in the bars is said to be coarse, suggesting nearness to the source, and his yield is as much as $100 per day by use of the rocker. Prospectors are said to have explored to considerable distances above the forks, up to 500 miles from the mouth, and to have recognized rocks similar to those of the Birch Creek and Forty Mile districts. This, if true, is important as an indication of still further extensions of the area of exposures of the older gold-bearing rocks. Further east, at the head of the Dahl River, low, broken hills, apparently composed of schists and quartose rocks, extend northeastward to the Normanzoff Mountains. The latter are snow-covered in summer, and form the northern boundary of a low plain that lies to the north of Porcupine River. These mountains are likewise said to be made up of metamorphic schist and quartzites. Still further northwest, in the country to the northeast of Kutsobi Sound, 
Gold has been reported from the Kowak and Noatak rivers. It is possible that the older series of rocks is exposed in the mountains of this region, but more probable that the gold is derived from the conglomerates of the Mission Creek series, which, as already shown, afford gold on Napoleon Creek and in the Mission Creek district. Gold is also reported by prospectors from a belt of country which is generally parallel to the known gold belt, but set off to the southwest, and which corresponds to the supposed southwestern flank of the granite backbone. Such discoveries have been reported from Fish Creek, which flows into Norton Sound, north of St. Michael, and from the upper Kuskokwim River, which flows into Bering Sea. On the Sushitna River, which flows into Cook Inlet, W. A. Dickey reports colors of fine gold in the sands all along the stream, and platinum on the upper river, where veins of white quartz carrying gold, silver, and copper were found in slates associated with granite and porphyry. Gold and copper have been reported by various persons from the region about the sources of the copper and white rivers. It is thus evident that the elevated region along the heads of these various streams and between them and the waters of the Tanana possesses great possibilities in the way of mineral development, but from all accounts it is a region exceptionally difficult to access, and it may well be questioned whether it is advisable to attempt until facilities for travel and obtaining supplies in the Yukon region have been increased, as they will be in the near future. More accessible is the region immediately north of the Tanana River, known as the Tanana Hills and Ketchumstock Hills, which, from reports, appears to be mainly a granite region, but in which it is likely that outliers or patches of the gold-bearing schists will be found enclosed within the granite area. Late reports by prospectors in the Tanana region state that the river has slack water, navigable for steamers 150 to 200 miles above its mouth. Above that, the current is swift. Mountains border the river on the north side from the mouth up. On the south, they are far distant. Colors are found in all the creeks. Those heading toward 40 mile and 70 mile offer best promises, but no important prospects have been found. Towards Circle City, the creeks do not freeze up, and a hot spring was found in one of the gulches. In the mountain region to the northeast of the Yukon River, immediately above the bend, such observations as have been made do not offer much promise of exposures of the older gold-bearing schists. Older limestones occur there, but, though important gold deposits are known to occur in limestones, in the Yukon country the general rule appears to prevail that gold is concentrated mainly in the Sicilius rocks. It may well be, however, that in the conglomerate or cement deposits of the coal-bearing formations that are known to occur in this northeastern region, there are portions sufficiently rich in gold to make paying placers by their watering down. In searching for such places, the prospector should study the character of the pebbles that make up the conglomerate. It is only when these include fragments of the gold-bearing rocks and occasionally of vein quartz that they are likely to be productive. For the region east of the international boundary, Spur had already pointed out, as a result of his observations in the summer of 1896, that the Klondike and Indian Creek regions were likely to show rich placers, because the schists of the Birch Creek series and to some extent the marbles of the Forty Mile series formed the bedrock. George M. Dawson reports bars of fairly coarse gold on the Pelly all the way up to the Hool River. 
just below the mouth of the macmillan the river has cut a canyon through gray granite hills below which are dark crystalline schists with east-west strike and northerly dip associated with which are alternating marbles and chloritic schists probably of the forty-mile series granite occurs again near the junction of the loos of the valley of the macmillan nothing was known the pelly above the detour or bend had a similar series of quartzite schists which interbedded limestones on the north while the glenlyon hills to the south were of granites above these are sandstones supposed to belong to the coal-bearing series and dipping forty-five degrees south still higher up in hool canyon are marbles again associated with schists and volcanic rocks possibly of the rampart series still further northeast in the middle canyon of the francis river dawson found marbles again while in the tucha range to the east were seen granites and schists with abundant quartz veins all along the summit of the coast range the prevailing rocks are granites cut by later porphyry dikes they form a belt twenty to eighty miles wide and are generally of the hornblende or intrusive type on the daya and skagway trails they extend down on the northeast side to the mid-length of lake bennett in the range of hills between miles canyon and the teslin river are diabasic or dark eruptive rocks and limestones which may belong to the rampart series though dawson considers the limestones to be probably carboniferous along the region of rink and five-finger rapids below the big salmon are enfolded masses of cretaceous rocks parentheses kenai and parentheses with conglomerate at the base overlain in places by lavas below these are greenish eruptive rocks and then near the mouth of the pelly is granite again succeeded below the pelly by basalt flows twenty-five miles below the pelly granitic rocks again appear and are succeeded by crystalline schists of various kinds which constitute the prevailing rock down nearly to forty mile. End of section twelve.